Ever wondered the secrets of designing your distribution? Sheena from MSH is back to show you the way on episode 24, so check it out. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put sexy into supply chain. We are your hosts, Sarah and Nick. Good afternoon, listeners. Thanks for joining us for another amazing episode. Today, we are changing things up a bit and diving into a supply chain that includes rental dresses with Lisa from Rent Frock Repeat. Lisa's sales career began when she was just seven years old, selling chocolate-covered almonds in an effort to raise funds for her bowling team. After completing her BA in English at Carleton University, Lisa worked for over two decades at some of the world's largest corporations, including Coca-Cola and Xerox. For three years, she served as president at the Art Institute of, of Toronto, recognized in the industry for its prestigious fashion design, fashion marketing, and merchandising programs. She also spent four years as vice president at AITO's parent company, Education Management Corporation. Through her vast experience, Lisa gained the insights and experience to lead marketing, sales, and P&L responsibilities at one of Canada's most promising new e-commerce businesses. Rent Frock Repeat. Lisa relishes this opportunity to turn the retail model on its head and lead the sharing economy while ensuring women across Canada of any age, race, or economic status have the opportunity to enjoy luxury while reducing their fashion carbon footprint. Thanks for joining us today, Lisa. Thanks, Sarah. That's great energy. It gets me really excited to be on the call. Awesome. We're, we're so excited to get to know the high fashion rental company in North America. So let's get started. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Rent Frock Repeat, uh, your story and your business model? Yeah, so we started Rent Frock Repeat about five years ago, and it really came from that thing they say when if you're if you're going to start a company, you know, think about the pain point that you're uh, you're solving for somebody. Um, and it really came as a pain point. My uh, business partner Christy, who can't be on the call today, Christy Weber and I sat down uh, one day and we were literally complaining about um, having to go to a wedding because uh, we knew it entailed having to find something to wear to that wedding. So it wasn't so much. Uh, about finding something new for every event. Uh, you know, I had just left a job and was trying to figure out what I was going to do next and just didn't want to put more money and invest more money. And the stuff that was in my closet just wasn't appropriate for the event. Um, you know, I had a lot. Of, it was a big summer uh, wedding. I had, you know, heavier dresses that were more uh, in tune with sort of your winter events. And Christy was lamenting that she had different sizes in her closet. Um, and we actually saw a, a, a rental model uh, in a magazine that we were looking at. We were trying to use the service, and they didn't ship to Canada. And we, just the light bulb started going off, and we thought, you know, we really think that this is something that is long overdue. It just made sense to us as we started thinking through the details. Um, and from that quick, you know, magazine to, you know, looking at each other in the eyes, we started doing our business plans, and Rent Frock Repeat was born about a year after that. 
Um, so, so that was the beginning of it. But what we do is, is just that. You know, men have been renting tuxedos forever. I think when, when, when we think about what, how men get ready for events, they can either go to a, a suit, you know, good for them, that they can change up the tie or the shirt, um, and it's usually appropriate for every event they go to. But they can also rent tuxedos uh, when they need something that's really, really special. Um, and so it's the equivalent. Um, we just feel that women need a little bit more diversity because uh, for them it might call for a cocktail dress or a gown, and we just felt that we were making too big of an investment in a piece that was only being worn once, maybe twice in its lifetime, then making its way to landfills, and it just seemed like the whole piece of, of wearing a dress to an event uh, was just, it was all backwards. So we said, can we do this in a different way? Um, and so now we rent dresses to women all across Canada, and we also do accessories and trying to help women get, you know, that complete look for their event uh, without having to uh, really spend too much money, uh, you know, kill the planet in the meantime, um, but really have access to fun stuff that maybe they've never had access to before. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love the model. Lisa, can you tell us your, about your supply chain and how it works? Yeah, so this was probably the biggest challenge for us, and hopefully from a listener perspective, if anybody's just getting started in something, my story will resonate with them more than anything. Um, you know, Christy and I had no background in logistics, so we really sat down, and, and to begin with, uh, we thought it was going to be pretty simple and in the sense that we started as a completely e-commerce company meaning uh, we didn't have storefronts, and so the idea would be that, you know, we'd have a place with all our dresses, and when I started, it was in our basement. Um, but we literally, um, you know, walked through that whole process of, okay, a woman orders a dress online, we run our reports, uh, you know, every day, a couple of times a day to see the new orders that have come in, and we literally go pick and pack, um, have Canada Post come pick it up, and off it goes. Um, so obviously that gets a lot more uh, detailed, um, you know, as you continue to scale and grow the company, uh, whether you have systems in place for the picking and packing. But we wanted to start with something really simple, um, and we didn't have the money to invest in huge logistics. We invested most of our money on the back end of our site that really would tell us everything from, okay, the woman ordered the dress, you know, what was the, the skew, you know, uh, we, would, we, we set up our system so we, we'd know exactly where to find that skew to begin with. Um, and then we had to do a very manual process because maybe different from picking and packing, we knew we'd have to inspect the dress a couple of times, make sure if it's being worn by somebody else that it's still in great shape, uh, that we can look for repairs. So in some ways, there's some manual processes to it, and then we would just, you know, pack up the dress and ship it out. It got a little bit more complicated um, as to where we stand today, and we, we see it getting even more uh, detailed as we continue to grow because after we opened, about three months after we opened, women were saying to us, Lisa, love the concept. Christy would really love to come and, and use the service, but I just feel a little hesitant about doing everything online. And that changed everything for us, you guys. Like, when, when people said they wanted to try on the dress, we thought, okay, what do we do? So we opened up this tiny little showroom in the Roncesville area in the back end of Toronto, and women started coming in, and that changed the whole process from us, for us. We had to relook at our processes because now women were opting to pick up and drop off, um, and so that changed things a little bit. So that was the first step in saying, okay, now we have to know how to mark things for pick up and drop off versus shipping. Um, and Canada Post and looking at all those options. Um, and now all of a sudden we're looking into uh, fast forward two years later and we have multiple locations. So it starts to get very complicated. 
So for us, from a logistics perspective, it really is. We've built a sort of a, it's not an out-of-box solution. We built something in Spree, uh, built on Ruby on Rails, and we worked with a development team, and it was really about tracking our assets from a technology perspective. Um, so we needed to know, uh, as an example, if a woman was now ordering a dress from Vancouver, we knew that asset wasn't just sitting in Lisa's basement in Toronto. That asset could be in the Toronto showroom. It could be out with a customer. It could be in our Ottawa showroom. It could be at dry cleaning. And so we had to build all of those steps into our processes uh, to make sure that the system would tell us exactly where that asset was and uh, we could locate that very quickly. And the system itself would tell us or even tell our customers whether or not that asset would be available for her particular event. So it's been, you know, it's been interesting along the way to build that back end to, to really be able to help us, you know, make the most of that asset, turn that asset quickly, as quickly as we can, and, and, and you know, connecting with the Canada Post API and making sure that we're, you know, sending off tracking information. So it's been a little bit convoluted, um, but we've learned along the way and we feel like we're finally getting into our rhythm now that we have a couple of locations. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember that showroom, by the way. <laughs> I remember that. That was awesome. So tell us a little bit about the front end, I guess, of your supply chain. So do you purchase uh, directly from the manufacturer of the dress or do, are you going into like a department? Like, how are you how are you doing sort of the front end to get, you know, the stock and, and the dresses in to be able to uh, funnel and... Um, you know, put together that last mile delivery and return system for your customers. Right. Um, so we, we actually act just like a retailer would in that in our particular industry, um, it can be done in a few ways. But one of the major ways to do that is uh, we go to uh, right after Fashion Week is done uh, in New York uh, right now. And we're as we grow, we, we want to do Fashion Weeks in Milan and Paris. And they have something called Buying Week when that week is done. So the week after, everybody's shown their great stuff on the runway. We literally book appointments uh, with uh, the different designers, and we work with their staff, and we take a look at the collections that are there, um, and we start to narrow down our choices based on, of course, our market. You know, we have a well-defined, as, we, as people rent from us and as they join as members and as they, you know, give us more information and more data, um, we start to see who's using the service what sizes they're renting, what events are they renting them for, and that really helps us narrow down our choices. But we do that directly with the designers, and we buy them wholesale, but we buy them brand new and fresh off the runways, um, just like the, the retailers would. Uh, but instead of taking those back and selling them to our customers, um, the model is then that we just rent it. Um, so again, you know, we, we get our product deliveries. And, um, and then we enter everything into our spree system from, you know, um, who the designer is, what size it is, and we have to put all the information that w women would want to see, uh, whether they're sitting in Vancouver. So we have to put the content of the, the materials uh, that, that the dress, the fabrication of the dress. Uh, we have to describe the dress. We photograph it on different size models so people can see what it would look like on different size models. Um, and we just have to put as much detail as we can about that particular item, length, um, you know, um, uh, the, the, the measurements, if it's a size 2 dress, what's the bust on a size 2 versus what's the measurement for a bust on size 8 or 16. 
Um, and so we have to make sure that all that information is detailed as possible uh, so that women can really go on the site and make the selection themselves if they want to. If we happen to not have a showroom in their city, they have to be able to fully self-serve from the, the time of finding the dress that they love online to actually being able to hit the place order button and knowing that the dress is going to be shipped to them uh, wherever they told us to ship the dress. Awesome. So much thought and so many things that you have to think about that, you know, I would never have, have, have really thought of that, that needs to sort of go into the supply chain and how exactly you service the market. And let me tell you, those buying trips sound amazing. So I just want to, when you're going on your next one, maybe let me know and I can tag along. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I have to say that was the one thing, you know, when people talk to us and they go, oh my God, it must be so fun. And absolutely, Sarah, it was the one time that Christy and I, when we did our first trip to New York, where we pinched ourselves and said, look what we're doing today. And then three or four days later, we were back to like measuring dresses and shipping dresses and inspecting dresses and sending dresses to dry cleaning. <laughs> so there's this whole side of, you know, glamour. We're sitting at fashion shows and then the realization of, you know, there's still the hard work of the logistics and everything else that have to go into it. So for the 5% of the time that we're in New York and picking out dresses, I have to tell you, it makes up really nicely for the other 95%. That's, that's all that logistics and hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now you talked a little bit about some of the changes that you've made, um, especially within the supply chain uh, part, when, you know, since starting the company. So has fundraising changed anything or has it had any influence on parts of your supply chain? You know, I'd have to say that really, yes, in the sense that uh, the technology piece, the spree piece that I talk about, um, is not, it's not a cheap thing to do. I mean, you need to have developers, and especially when you're developing something that doesn't exist. So, you know, I just had a call with Shopify the other day and said, could you please come up with a rental model? Uh, because it would be a lot easier to sort of get this out-of-box solution that's been completely vetted out and thought out um, so that you can just, you know, tweak it and make changes to satisfy your business needs. So because that process requires a lot of uh, technologists and people that are experts in, you know, on Ruby on Rails, um, and even thinking about that supply chain process, um, the fundraising had an effect on it because we would have never been able to open up our second location without the fundraising because it wasn't just about opening an Ottawa location and having dresses on the floor and staff. It also meant that the back end of the system needed to be able to support you know, multiple locations and all of that, um, you know, the, the, the information that needed to be uh, vetted through our technologists to make sure that it was doing exactly what it needed to do. Um, so, yes, the, the fundraising really just helped us pay to, uh, for that development. Lisa, when it comes to uh, the processing and the pricing, can you just enlighten us uh, what worked, what doesn't work, what won't work at all? And what, what has surprised you? Yeah, so with the process and the pricing. So, you know, the process of your supply chain, especially in the rentable market, um, or the rental market, there's so many different moving components to that. And then the pricing, you know, like you, do you, is there a shipping cost uh, to your customer? Do you absorb that cost? You know, how does that work? What doesn't work? Um, and what's kind of surprised you in all of that? 
Well, um, I, I think the, the good news is Christy and I tried to do as much of our homework as possible, and I think part of it is not so much, um, it wasn't a surprise because we asked the right questions, but I think it's a surprise sometimes for our customers. So I'll give you an example of, you know, some people might say to us, why don't you use UPS um, and why do you use Canada Post? And so, and, and we, you know, when we first started, I, I went to all of these different vendors to say, okay, how do you work? And we always tried to look at it from our customer's point of view. So for our particular situation, the product that we carry, we can't be a day late. So I always say, you know, if you're going to go online and buy a pair of jeans from your, your favorite retailer, um, it, chances are maybe you're, you're going to wear the jeans to a special event. But if you are, you'll know you can order two or three weeks in advance, and the jeans can come at any time. But with dresses, because people have them for four or eight days and they need to arrive before their event, <laughs> um, we have to be, we really have to think about this. We don't have any room for error. Um, you know, for the four days, that's why we, do, we did set up the system with four days, because if the woman's event is on a Saturday, the four days was to allow her to have the dress arrive on Thursday, at least a couple of days before her event, and that gave us a little wiggle room to play with to make sure that it got there on time and she could accessorize and do all of those other things. But we just can't, you know, we can't get past that Saturday. But we went further into it to say, okay, it's not just about the timeliness of the delivery, but then we started really thinking when we thought through the process and why it had to narrow down to Canada Post is because UPS is going to deliver that box, and if you're not home, they're going to card you. Yeah. And then they're going to take that package away, and then they're going to try and deliver that package again the next day. Well, we, we can't have that delivery the next day again, because especially if it's one day late, now we're getting to the day of her event, and what if she's not there again the next day? So we needed to make sure that there wouldn't be that, that process where she had to be home. And we couldn't drop ship because we knew, hey, this might be a $1,500 dress that's going out and is sitting on somebody's front step. So the insurance would just be, you know, out of this world. And so from a Canada Post perspective, what we loved about the option there was even if our customer wasn't home, if she was carded, the dress would go to her local Canada Post uh, office, which was always just a couple of blocks away. Um, with UPS or other depots, in some cases, she might be miles away from that depot. And if she lives in a major city and she doesn't drive and she, you know, is on public transportation, then that Canada Post outlet has to be nearby. And that was the only option that we had. So when we first started, we thought it might be about getting best pricing or going to that shipper that was going to, you know, give us the fastest, most reliable, fastest, you know, and um, uh, shipping that was close. But then as we started working through our particular product and our particular customer and her need, we had to deliver with Canada Post. Yeah, and I mean, Canada alone is just, as far as land, it's... It's pretty vast and it's very big. And uh, like you said, you know, some of those depots can be miles away from the customer and it just causes some really big inconveniences. Whereas, you know, a lot of shoppers drug marts or local post offices you can go to and and pick up Canada Post for sure. So what did you do about the shipping? Um, are, are you offering free shipping? Do you take on that cost? What does that look like? We layered it on. Uh, we were very transparent with it so people could see the difference between the rental and the shipping costs. 
uh, because of the pricing, uh, Sarah. You know, I mean, I think from a margins perspective, we have to let people know um, that there is a cost to these things. And so we decided to, you know, not hide it in our pricing and just be very, be, be very upfront with it. Um, and so we uh, do something. So in the in the local area, meaning if we're in Toronto and they're in the GTA, it's seventeen ninety five. But that also includes return shipping. So I think the other thing we have to consider with our particular product is we want every single item to come back. Uh, we need it to come back. Um, and so it's not just shipping one way; it's shipping two ways. Um, and then we had different pricing for regional, and so we really just tried to be as transparent as we could with that. Uh, we do offer flat rate shipping for any order over $125. Um, it's a $15 flat rate shipping. Um, so obviously for people that are across the country, uh, there's, there's some cost to absorb, uh, but, you know, and, and that's, the, that's the dilemma you have when you first start, uh, start the company, but that we felt that because we were delivering a product like an $800 dress for, let's say, $125, that there was a little room there because even if she was comparing what it would cost her for an, oh, to go out for a night, um, the, the, the cost is still completely, the, you know, the, the, the disparity between the full retail price and rental price plus shipping, there's still a huge difference. So we felt that the consumer could make, make up her mind as she was going through the decision-making process to see, okay, I see the value here. What's interesting is when we opened up our Toronto showroom and our Ottawa showroom, uh, we offered um, uh, pick-up and drop-off, of course, and we thought, well, you know, Toronto, you could be stuck in traffic forever, um, shipping nine ninety-five either way. Even when we talk to customers, they're like, that's pretty fair. Um, you know, it might cost me more to park or even in gas or just my time on the road. But yet they're still picking up and dropping off. And I think, again, for anybody who's listening, it's about your product. And for us, I think the product and the evening is so important to that woman that I think she just wants to make sure that that dress is in her hands and she's going to be doing some other stuff around the event, like getting her hair done or getting her nails done or all of those other things, maybe buying a pair of shoes last minute. But for some reason, when we started offering pick-up and drop-off, we noticed about 70% of our clients decided to pick up and drop-off instead of having their dresses shipped. Yeah, that was one of the things I wanted to uh, touch upon, and I guess that's one of the biggest changes that you've seen recently. And you're you're not the only e-commerce um e-commerce company that has come on and actually said that pickup is, uh, you know, gaining momentum. People are actually um, enjoying the experience of, of picking up the product that they've ordered online. So, yeah, I think I think we're going to see that as a, a bit of a change in the industry a little bit. Yeah, and I think it's helpful too, Sarah. I think when you are upfront about those costs, you know, instead of um, of hiding them, I think people start to think about, you know, it is a service to have it delivered to your door, and we're, we're glad people do see it that way. It's tough when you're, you're comparing yourself to big, you know, big corporations that maybe can, uh, you know, reduce their margins a little bit because they're doing so much volume and people get used to free shipping. But I think if the product is, is good and people really love the service and you're giving them an experience, I think that they're going to they're going to see the value and uh, either decide that yes it's worth the ex- extra you know 18 bucks including return shipping or they're just going to say for other reasons whatever it might be that pick up and drop off is 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 part of the uh, part of the process that they want to look at. I use Staples all the time, uh, and they deliver right to my door. I never go pick something up. Um, you know, I think, again, like I say, it's just one of those things when you're e- in e-commerce, we tend to look at it as a full umbrella versus just saying, who's our market, what's our product, and how does it, how does it really 
differ for them in particular versus just the e-commerce, you know, platform altogether. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched on um, a key point there with the returns is that, you know, your shipping cost does include that return pricing. So how do you manage those returns? So uh, right now what we do is if they opt for pick up and drop off or or even if they opt to pick up but ship back, our system can handle that so they can decide on it doesn't have to be um, either or. They can even decide to have it shipped out but drop it off. So it's their decision and they, they make that decision on the site uh, or in our showroom. Um, and so if they, if they decide to, to do shipping both ways, let's say we ship out the box and in that box they get a prepaid return envelope um, and not a box. So it helped us. We had to look at it and say, okay, when we're sending the package out, there needs to be some room for the dress to breathe. You know, we've done a lot of, we've steamed and we've gotten the dress ready and we don't want to smush it into this little, little package. And so the cost of shipping it out is a little bit higher because, you know, it's by, it's, it's more about volume for us. It's about the size of the box because dresses are so light. Uh, so we don't have to worry about weight. Um, but on the way back, what we did was we looked at it and said, okay, well, it's going to dry cleaning anyway when it gets returned. So she can literally roll it up, and what could we give her? And we decided it was a bubble mailer. It would protect the dress. It's got sort of this plastic coating. We asked them to put it into the plastic bag that we've sent with the dress and just roll it up in there to give it some extra protection. And then they just bring it to any Canada Post. It could be the red mailbox. It can be a Canada Post outlet. Um, and all the dresses come back to our Toronto location, and then they're vetted out to dry cleaning um, and uh, inspections and all of those great things. So uh, we tried to make it as convenient for our customer as possible uh, that, you know, the day after her event, if she, especially if she's had a really fun night, <laughs> we don't want to make it too hard on her the next day. So we want her to just have the convenience of literally just, and that's probably the one we've had the most feedback about that, you know, they'll call and go, really, do you want me to just roll up this dress and put it in the mailbox? And we're like, yes, you can just drop it in the mailbox. And then after they do it, they just kind of go, how simple was that? Um, so, so that's how we make it simple for them. And we try to reduce our costs uh, by, by having the smaller packaging uh, for the return. So Lisa, where do you see your industry in the next five to 10 years and what challenges do you um, foresee, I guess? Well, I think I'm really excited about, you know, when we started this five years ago, I always say, I think in some ways um, we were on the, you know, the beginning when we started talking about rental, people were kind of scratching their head and the the questions we would get back then were things like, do you think people are really going to rent a dress? Like, do you think people are going to do this sort of thing? Uh, Will you get market traction? And now what we've seen is of all the different types of e-commerce companies that have come to light over the last, you know, six, seven years, of the ones that are growing, the rental platform's really growing. And I think it's, you know, it's around that piece of the sharing economy with Airbnb and Uber, and there's a trend towards not having to own anything and really just wanting to experience stuff. Um, You know, I think the crash in 2008 made everybody stop and think about how they're spending their discretionary income. And and so we're re-looking at objects. I mean, there's even books written about, you know, does it bring you joy? Um, And if it doesn't, get rid of it. So I think for us, the next five or 10 years, I think we're just going to continue to see this explosion in rental. I think people are starting to look at everything. Um, We say a natural extension of this is maternity. Um, You know, when we look at a woman's closet, there are additional pieces that she doesn't have to buy. So I think the great news for us, and the data tells us this, and all the articles from all the the brainiacs around the world that are studying e-commerce say that the rental model is only going to continue to grow. 
So we're excited about the fact that we're at the beginning of the journey of something that's about to explode. And I think I'm most excited because I think that's going to happen. Having a conversation like the one I did with Shopify the other day just means that I think that there's going to be more people that are going to build resources that we're going to be able to tap into rather than having to build them on our own. And I think that's going to continue to reduce our expenses. Uh, because there'll be people out there with platforms where we can just pay, you know, a certain license fee per month uh, rather than trying to figure out where we get our engineers and should we bring technology, in, you know, in, inside or should we continue to outsource our technology and what if there's turnover in staff or what if there's turnover in the agencies that we're using. Um, so I just feel like this industry is going to continue to be supported in all ways, and I think that we even see what's happening with shipping these days. Um, I think that, you know, will we be seeing, you know, little machines come and pick up our packages and fly them through the air and drop them off at people's homes? I'm not sure. You know, will it be driverless cars that are taking our packages around the city? If it's local and it's courier, will it be cheaper? I don't know where it's going. All I know is that I think it's going to continue to build resources that are really going to help us uh, grow the company. You just touched on one of uh, Nick's favorite subjects. Do you ever think drones will deliver dresses? I hope so. <laughs> um, it would, you know, I think it's back to that, okay, how do we still get it? As long as there's a place secure, I think hopefully the homes will ha- all have something that the drones can kind of get with that the code is so they can drop the package and it can be secured. I think that's the next level it's got to bring. Or I think we're just going to see people running up and down the street following drones to see what packages. <laughs> that, that'll probably be me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know what? I, I, I can see something like that happening uh, because it just feels like uh, people are, in some ways I feel like people are asking for it, but at the same time I'm torn because I feel like in some ways our communities are getting smaller again um, in that we know the retailers we want to work with. We're seeing e-commerce come offline more. So, you know, the big thing five years ago was everybody had to get online, everybody was rushing to get online, and now these pure e-commerce companies, including Rent Far Repeat, now we've got retail locations. So I think there's still something to be said about human interaction, and we still want that, but I don't know if we need it with our packages being delivered. So I think that there's still a a good future for drones out there. Absolutely. So last question for you, Lisa. What's next for Rent Frock Repeat? Uh, We've said for five years, world domination. Is that... uh, (laughs) Absolutely. But, uh, no, you know, I think for us, we're really, really um, focused on um, getting our, our, our... service out to women uh, right across this beautiful country of ours. We have literally daily emails from women in Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, small towns just saying, hey, love the service and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to take chances online, but geez, would really love to be able to work with a stylist. I see all the comments on social media or posts in the reviews, how great that feature is to be able to go work with somebody for an hour. Um, and so for us, it's really about making sure that we can extend those showroom locations across Canada. And I don't know when this is going live, but um, it's almost official. We should have the paperwork this week. Uh, but we're just starting uh, a pilot that we're going to pilot with the Hudson's Bay Company down on Queen Street, um, where we're going to have a portion of their store that's going to be rent, frock, repeat, and not a pop-up. The hope is that we're there permanently long-term, but we're going to pilot for six months first. Uh, we feel that when people walk into a retail department store like HBC, that they should have access to certain items that they just want to borrow for a couple of days uh, versus investing in, and then they can go off to other departments and get the other stuff that they need, uh, like their you know winter coats and jeans and T-shirts and all of those things that they have in their closets every day. 
Um, so we're, we're excited to see where that's going to take us, and we're excited to see that rental is going to be a part of the vernacular for women when it comes to shopping. That's awesome. Congratulations. And, you know, just from speaking to you today, we can totally hear all of the passion that you have for this industry and for your company, Rent Frock Repeat. So everybody, I urge you to Google Rent Frock Repeat, go to their website and check out everything that they're doing because they are taking this rental market um, forward and uh, they're just going to dominate the world. So They are going to take over the world. So, so thanks, thanks guys. I really appreciate the time and I love what you guys are doing. I think logistics, like I said, that was like I've been in sales and marketing all my life. Um, so I think there's just so much to learn and it's so great that you guys are doing this so other people can learn from, from these podcasts and, and get some insight. So great job and, and thanks for doing it. Well, awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us, Lisa. All right. Thanks, Sarah. Bye, team. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep your orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and drop ship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. Get your free assessment. Visit them at IceCorpLogistics.com. Check out their learning center as they have some great free resources waiting for you. What an amazing episode. Rent Frock Repeat just took us through all aspects of their supply chain. And we hope that you, our listeners, took away some golden nuggets that will help you with your supply chain. Next week, we are talking about compliance in supply chain with Mark from SIG University. So if you are looking to hire supply chain professionals or looking to upgrade your skills, you won't want to miss this episode. You could write to us or subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. You could also follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. This episode was produced by Mike Mazurik, and we are your hosts, Nick and Sarah. Please remember, folks, ship happens.